Hey guys, don't forget to check out the Street Cop Training Conference 2023, April 23rd through the 28th, Nashville, Tennessee, the Gaylord at Opry. What a center, what a place. We have amazing speakers, amazing training, five of the most impactful days of your career. Check it out at streetcop.com. You do not want to miss out. There is a room code available for a discounted room. Sign up now at streetcop.com. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benito, and today I have with me, uh, first off to my left, which you can't see because you're listening to this on a podcast, is Kenny Williams, aka the Red Ninja, aka the Legend, aka our King. Flew in this today and I threw on the podcast. We also have Mario Oliveira, and this is Mario's third time on the podcast. To refresh your memory, Mario was shot. I don't want to say the wrong number six or seven times in the line of duty. Always detailed out to an ATF task force. And Keith Notech, Keith, you could just give your whole explanation because uh, I don't want to screw anything up. And it's been a while since we talked. So Keith yeah. Notech, go ahead. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Keith Notech. I spent a 30-year career in law enforcement, was involved in a lot of different things, uh, worked primarily street patrol, um, and some special assignments, uh, canine sergeant, and a bunch of other stuff. Saw a lot of death, a lot of grief, uh, was a detective sergeant um, in the Crimes Against Persons Unit. So uh, rape, robbery, homicide, I was your guy. Um, and I was involved in three officer-involved shootings. Uh, I guess one, one every 10 years isn't so bad, <laughs> except... Um, they all, all three of them happen within like a 10 year time frame. Um, the first one, um, I was a brand new, uh, patrol sergeant, uh, six months into it, learning how to do my job, got in a foot pursuit of a domestic violence suspect with one of my deputies. It turned into a running gun battle. Um, long story short, my friend was hit five times. Um, he was killed. The fatal round penetrated just below the neckline and above the uh, protective Kevlar of his vest. Um, the round went in and down and severed his aorta. The, uh, the bad guy is no longer with us, uh, fortunately. And um, so that was my first trip uh, down the post-traumatic stress road. But post-traumatic stress wasn't a real big buzzword back then because this was in, this was May 21st of 97. I didn't know what I had. I just knew that I felt like crap, uh, wasn't sleeping, had nightmares, saw muzzle flash in my, eye, uh, in my sleep when I'd start to drift, drift off. And all of the classic symptoms of, of post-traumatic stress I got. So I started self-medicating with alcohol. But, you know, uh, my mentality at the time was, well, if you fall off the horse, you know, you get back up on ride it and ride it. I wasn't looking to um, go out on stress or anything like that. I just wanted to do my job. I love my job. I love being a cop. So I pressed on, moved forward. Uh, a few years later, I was involved in another shooting on a traffic stop. Um, I didn't hit the guy. He uh, he peeled off and took off from the scene. 
but um, I, as I was walking up on the vehicle, I saw a gun barrel coming out the window like this at me. Um, and I booked it between the rear of his vehicle and the front of my vehicle and let copper and lead fly. Um, that was a little stressful. And then <laughs> another one uh, was in uh, 2008, May of 2008. So by this time, I'm working for Riverside County Sheriff's Department, which is the third largest sheriff's department in the state of California. Um, it's a vast area. It's um, the metropolitan areas are densely populated. And then you, once you start getting out of those, there's Indian reservations. And um, typically there's not tribal police in California because California Post does not recognize tribal police or security as peace officers. Um, so those who do have any kind of like law enforcement or quasi law enforcement um, it's either they're either federal, like the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and if they don't have that, um, then the law enforcement agency um, where the reservation is located, like if it's a city or a county, then that city or county agency has to do the policing. So we got a shots fired call on an Indian reservation, and um, a few of us rolled to that. Usually, um, if you get a shots fired call on the res, um, it's usually righteous. Um, and we responded and started taking indiscriminate gunfire or what we thought was indiscriminate gunfire, which actually turned out to be um, targeted gunfire by two armed suspects. So they're shooting at us. Uh, we were pinned down for over an hour and a half. So I didn't, I was hoping I'd make it home alive from that one, me and my guys. And uh, we did, and um, uh, happy ending. Both suspects were killed in the end. And then five days after that one, I got married to my now wife. So as you all know, I'm preaching to the choir. For those of us in law enforcement or who used to be in law enforcement, life goes on. You know, life doesn't stop just because you got in an OIS. Um, and that's the nature of the business. It's an inherently dangerous profession. But after all of these incidents and other things that, that I won't mention, I started self-medicating, went down um, a slippery slope and then uh, with alcohol. And then uh, in 2019, I got my act together. I discovered the four pillars of resilience. Um, in other words, dealing with uh, the mental and emotional area of your life, physical, spiritual, and social, those four things. Um, and I, I started practicing that stuff uh, on a daily basis, you know, going to the gym. Um, uh, the people who I lost contact with because I was, you know, too depressed or whatever, um, I, I started uh, linking up with my my good close personal friends again um, and rekindling those relationships um, got reconnected with my God and of course for the mental component um, I went to EMDR therapy y'all know what that is right yes so EMDR for the post-traumatic stress and um, it was quite effective it worked really well so I wrote a book um, basically about my life before, during, and after law enforcement. 
Uh, I've been retired since January of 2015. I figured if that book could reach just one person and help them, um, it'd all be worth it. And sure enough, um, I've had, you know, more than one person tell me that, you know, they read it uh, or listened to the audiobook or whatever. They got a lot out of it and they are going to make some lifestyle changes and get help. And they're like, yeah, man. Um, uh, one guy told me, yeah, I got an A shooting and my life was never the same after that. It, it destroyed me. It destroyed my family. And um, he said, after reading your book, I realized that I'm not the only one. Because when you're going through it at the time, you know, oh, woe is me. You feel like you're the only one going through it at the time. So um, lo and behold, one day about uh, a year ago, actually, uh, almost a year to the day, um, I get this message from this guy named Mario Oliveira and, uh, never heard of him. Didn't know his story or anything. And he's like, Hey man, uh, you and I have a mutual friend. Um, and, uh, I want to write my story. And she said, you could help me. So initially what I thought, and it's, and it's true. We do have a mutual friend. It's, a uh, a gal that I used to work with in Southern California. She was injured on the job um, in a, a pursuit collision and she had to medically retire out of that incident. She moved back to Massachusetts. So there's the California, Massachusetts connection. So he says, hey, she recommended I call you because I wanna write a book about my story. And, um, he starts telling me about his life, his career, and all of these cases that he wrote, uh, worked. And I'm thinking to myself, and I was really busy at the time. I'm like, I'm not looking to write any more books or anything. Um, I was thinking that he was going to write his story. He was actually going to write his story. And because I had a book published, he was just looking for some pointers. So he goes, no. I'm not going to write it. He's like, I want you to write it. So he told me a story. He's like, yeah, man, I got shot six times. I died. Uh, I survived. I lived. I had all these things happen to me. And I was just sitting on the phone back on my sofa, not saying anything, just listening to Mario talk and tell me about his story. I'm like, man, that's, that's amazing. You know, I'm like, I have a real heart for him because, you know, I mean, I lost a partner. I lost a deputy. You know, I've been in shootings and people died. Mario was actually shot six times and, and lived. And um, that was pretty spectacular. So he's like, yeah, I, I feel a connection with you. It's it's the brother to brother, cop to cop thing. I, I didn't agree to write it right away. I said, let me think about it. Cause I got, I had some other things going on. I was flying back East. They were making a, a film based on my first book. And uh, I said, you know, if I do do this, it's going to be after all the filming and everything is done with this, this production. So he sends me a video of him and Dr. King, his trauma center surgeon, um, who's also a rock star. Uh, Mario's a rock star. But Dr. King is, um, 
I can't say what unit he was with, but he's an Army uh, Fulbert Colonel now, Army Reservist. He's assigned to uh, Army Special Operations as a, um, well, basically a special operator slash battlefield surgeon. That's the guy that saved Mario's life. So I watched this video that Mario sent me. It was an interview of him and the doctor. My wife and I watched it together. By the end, both of us were crying uh, at the end of that video. It was an amazing story. And I thought to myself, man, why this is such an amazing story. And it's true. It's well-documented, you know. It's like, why would I not want to be part of something so spectacular and amazing? So I called Mario and I told him, yeah, man, I'll write your book. Um, you know, let's get cracking uh, on the, you know, on the Zoom. I'll do Zoom interviews with you and Dr. King. And um, I talked to one of his CIs, one of his confidential informants on the phone. Um, we gave him a fictitious name in the book. Um, but uh, the book was published, what, three weeks ago. It was released. May 25th. Yeah, so right. less, than, less than three weeks ago, and it hit bestseller best status last week. It's doing really well. It's been really well-received. So wait, hold on. Let me, just, let me jump in here real quick. So you wrote the book, uh, I guess you, would you consider that a ghostwriter? Or how did, how did I, the whole thing go? I, I told Mario... I'm not a ghostwriter, man. I've only written one book. I don't write other people's stories. You know, it's I'm like, I'm not even an author. I'm a retired dude. I'm a retired cop. You know, I, I teach stuff at uh, one of the state universities here part-time. And um, he's like, no, I don't want you to be a ghostwriter. I want you to be my partner. Oh, that's cool. I want, I want you to be my partner in this venture in anything we do, we're going to do it together. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Mario, what gave you the idea, the inclination to write the book? I think for two reasons. Uh, reason number one, probably the most important reason, was, you know, I, I felt guilty a little bit that, you know, many people on earth lose a loved one, whether it be a child, a parent, grandparents, right? And we all wonder... What happens to our loved ones when they die? Is there really a heaven? Does God really exist? Is there another ultimate universe? Is there life after death? And I hold the answer to that question. I know the truth because I lived it. I experienced it. And I wanted to share it with the, with the world. And I know that my story brings hope and faith to people. You know, no matter how how down you are, what life hands you, you know, people, you know, have cancer and other illnesses or lose their jobs, whatever, you know, there's always hope and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I wanted my story to kind of maybe give that light to these people to give them the hopes that, that things will get better in the long run, you know, secondly, so that was the first and most important reason. Second reason is after I got shot and had to retire, you know, I had a fight for my benefits. I literally had a fight for my benefits that caused me so, so much emotional distress. You know, I ended up with severe anxiety. I was suicidal. I felt like I became a burden to my family. 
my wife and my kids suffered. I didn't want anybody to ever suffer that way, the way I suffered quietly. So what did I, what did I do? I formed an organization called VIPO, Violently Injured Police Officers. And I now have legislation filed in seven different states in the US and passed in two different states, Kentucky and Oklahoma. And I was hoping that my book, my story would kind of spread like wildfire in a good way to maybe get lawmakers in these other states to jump on the bandwagon and file my legislation in every state in the US to give every cop protections. Should they, have, should they ever get shot, stabbed, whatever, get permanently injured in the line of duty. So those are the two reasons why I wanted to write this book. What's the premise of the book? Tell me how it starts out, what it goes through. And, you know, I, if you want to keep the end a little secretive, that's fine. But maybe, maybe, the, maybe the light one paragraph version of what you could expect out of this book. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to Keith for that one. He'll probably do a better job than I could. Yeah, you know, it's Mario's an interesting Interesting guy. He was born in Portugal. Don't know if you knew that. And he immigrated to the United States with his family when he was a little kid. So it starts out telling the the little immigrant kid story. Um, and then it, ta- it talks about his youth going into his teen years and how he'd see police cars drive by. And he was fascinated by that. And that's when he decided, you know what? These guys, you know, they got the, they got the uniform. They have the cool cars. I, I want to do that when I reach adulthood. Hey, Mario, I want to jump in here real quick. Just so you know, we had Mark DeBona on last week, and he thought you were Italian. <laughs> I fixed that. Mark. I love that guy. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's an Italian. I'm like, Italian? Are you guys even, I even know that he's Portuguese. He's like, right. no, is he really? I'm like. Yeah, he's Portuguese. Last name's Oliveira. Right? <laughs> a lot of these Portuguese last names, Italian last names, they, they're, they're close. Yeah. Let him know. You know, next That's time you talk to him, you got to break his chops and tell him you realize I'm Portuguese, right? <laughs> I will. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, That's yeah. Funny. Um, so Mario <laughs> grows up, um, does, does a few other things before he goes into law enforcement. Finally, that day comes, he graduates the academy, hits the streets with his FTOs. So, and it talks about his early career, uh, the patrol days and getting promoted to detective, some of the cases he worked, and then uh, about his task force days when he got on the ATF, ATF task force, um, goes into his shooting and then the aftermath of the shooting and basically how he was able to, you know, a, the will to survive and, and then post shooting what he's doing now. That's the reader's digest version. Well, that's awesome, man. And when you said you're getting a lot of traction with the book, first of all, where can they, what's the name of the book? Where can we find the book and what's going on with the book? Yeah, it's called gun runner. It's all one word gun runner because, uh, you know, Mario, when he was on the task force, he was tracking down gun runners that they'd get illegal firearms into Massachusetts, uh, file off the serial numbers, and they are uh, getting out to street gangs. They are committing homicides with them and stuff. So thus the name Gun Runner that's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, and through some other vendors, I think Target and Walmart are picking it up online as well. I think Mario and I did a 
nationally syndicated radio show last week. And then right after that, uh, apparently he has a large following right after that sales went way up and we became a bestseller. Um, so it's, it's doing really well. Um, of all the written reviews we've received online, uh, <clears throat> they've all been fantastic. People really is there an audiobook version of the, of the book as well, or just paperback? It's paperback and Kindle. And then we're going to work on an audio book down the road. Who's going to read it? Mario with his thick Boston accent. I want accent. Mario with his jacked up accent to, I love you, brother. No, you talk funny though. I'm kidding. All my relatives are on my mom's side are from there. I'd love for Mario to do it. That would be jealous. cool. You're just jealous I'm wicked smart. There you go. You are, brother. It could be worse. You could have a Chicago accent. No, that's the best accent in the world. Chicago. That's great. And it's not a far cry from a Minnesota accent, Mario. Oh, so it's, way off. Way off. It's uh, <laughs> not exactly the first choice of many to have to pick from. But I guess you're stuck there. Mario, what else did you want to talk about for this episode? Are you promoting the book? Um, where else can people find you? Are you on social media at all? And same thing with Keith as well. Yeah, so I have a... Um a Facebook page for supporters of violently injured police officers. The website for my organization is vipo911.org. On that site, you'll find many links to different resources that are available. I have five clinicians, mental health clinicians that are assigned to me that I can deploy out um, on an as needed basis. I did it today for an officer who's struggling with PTSD. So many different things that aren't readily available to these offices out here and especially in my state. And I'm trying to like create like a, um, a system that could hopefully be replicated in every state eventually in time. So that way we have resources to help my brothers and sisters in blue who I know struggle every day, you know? How are you feeling lately, my friend? Tired, to be honest with you, tired, but I'm okay. Otherwise I'm okay. You're physically tired or tired from the work that you're doing? A little bit of both, you know? Kind of physical ailments you still deal with after the significant injury. I have a lot of stomach issues. You know, they took out a third of my intestines. I haven't had a steak in 10 years. I I have digestive problems, you know, severe PTSD, severe anxiety. You know, that's really the the, the crux of it. No feeling in my right arm, um, three of my fingers and all the way down to my my elbow. So I took a round that went through my forearm, severed my ulnar nerve, and went out the back of my elbow. So Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah but, but I'm lucky to be alive. I don't bitch. You know, you I'm scratched one thing off your bucket list though. Yeah. He, he got recharged. He came out to Arizona and we got to spend some time together. He'd never been to the Grand Canyon. And it was a very moving experience for him. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. What else do you guys want to promote before we uh start to put an end on this thing today? What else do you guys got going on? I, I just brought Keith on board with my organization as one of my uh, head advisors. You know, we want to, you know, let people know that, you know, they're not alone. You know, if they, I don't want them to suffer in silence. And, you know, Keith and I are hopefully going to be invited to different venues, uh, speaking engagements to kind of tell our story, to uh, promote resources that are available, whether it be through me or other, other avenues. And we just, we just want to help people, especially our, our brotherhood. Yeah, it's, it's honorable. No question about it. You guys are doing great work. There's no question about that. Thank you. It's always a pleasure having both of you on here. Um, I know you guys uh, really are doing great things for the world, and it should be recognized formally here. 
And I know sometimes it's not easy to show up and do the work, but it's important. And, you know, I, I, I'll think about both of you and, you know, guys keeping your head up and I know some of the pain at time is brutal, but uh, appreciate you. That's for sure. We appreciate you too, Dennis, and all that your organization's doing. You're doing good work. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Kenny's doing good work too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Keep it up. All right, guys, if we have nothing else, appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to seeing you guys in the future real soon. Yes, sir. All right, guys, I'll talk to you. Bye-bye now.